Dog Training Digital presents the eCollars Podcast with Robin McFarlane and Steve Snell. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the DVD set streaming series that we did on eCollar Training. But this is a bigger undertaking than some of the other stuff that we had done. And uh, this is a five-set DVD and uh, covers an enormous amount of training with some dogs that we did from start to finish. It was kind of an interesting first time we had done some stuff. It's called e-collar training with Robin McFarland. And uh, let's talk about the process of that and just kind of go over that, that video production that we've got available. Yeah, that was, it certainly was the most fun project I think I ever did. A, it was a big project for all of us, for everybody involved, obviously. So what we decided to do is we really wanted to show people, how do you go from a green dog, a dog that has no e-collar experience, or even a dog that has very limited training in general, and, and go to a point where you trust the dog to be off-leash reliable, that you can recall the dog. How do you work through distractions, that kind of thing? And how do you do it with dogs of different personality? So the project evolved into let's go into a shelter and let's pick out a few dogs and make sure that they have differing personalities. And then let's just film them over the course of time. And my thought process was, as a general rule, I set a time frame of about three weeks for myself when I'm training a dog to know that I'll be able to run them off leash and call them back. It, usually that's about what it takes for me to build reliability. So we took three dogs, different personalities, pulled them out of shelters, didn't really know too much about their background. You're laughing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My, my favorite part of the entire process was when you came down here. So we shot the video down here, but you brought two of the dogs with you. You brought two down and then we picked up one at, at a local shelter. And, and part of the deal was that you could not train the dogs until they got here. We wanted everything on video from start to finish. And I think it's the most frustrated I have ever seen you <laughs> after a car ride and having to exercise these dogs on the road and not being able to, um, I think personally it showed an enormous amount of self-control that you were able to go that many hours with a dog and not actually train it because you were ready to go as soon as you got out of the car when you showed <laughs> I mean, you were like, get your camera. We're starting right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> that was after a 14-hour drive. Well, yeah, two dogs my, plus mine. So I had to air all three of them and no slip collar, no anything. I just had a snug flat buckle on them so that they didn't escape because I thought, holy smokes, what happens? One of them had a bit of a stink eye for other dogs. So yeah, by the time I got out there and got out of my car, I was like, you guys push the green button. We're going because I can't go another minute without doing something with these dogs. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the dogs. So it was three different personalities and tell me what you remember about them. Well, I reached out to the local shelter here in Dubuque and I told them of the project we were doing and I had made the commitment. Everybody I talked to, the commitment was I'll adopt them personally. They will be my dogs, know that they're going to eventually go on to a new home, but I'm, I will adopt them. So I was taking on that responsibility. But when they got back to me, they said, we have one here that it has had a hard time getting placed. She's very intelligent. She's some sort of healer, cattle dog type of thing. And she's a she was an owner surrender. And she'd been there quite a long time and they were having a hard time with her. So I said, yeah, okay. I took a look at her and I said, yeah, okay, I'll take her. She obviously ended up being 
despite what you see sometimes, I think on that video and you watched it, she ended up being the hardest one, not necessarily to catch on to the training. She came around really quick, but to, she isn't a dog that wanted to do things for you. She had her own motivations about a lot of things. And that was Brandy. So she was a dog that she, in my opinion, Steve, she really was the type of dog that shows this is a dog that you have to really work at it to build a partnership with this dog. She is not going to give herself away easily to anybody. So she was a little bit of a challenge. And then another shelter, there's the next county south of me, they had a dog that I fell in love with and really thought about adopting her. And that was Grace. That was the black Shepherd, maybe Malazan sure. mix, not sure. She was the one that was a little spicy toward the cameraman and stuff. She was a right. little reactive. She was lovely there, to work with. Yeah. There were a couple of times I thought Rob was going to get it. He was, he would come in for these close up shots and she would just kind of come a little unhinged. Yeah, she did. She did came a little, she did. She was the perfect example. Now that we're talking about that, I think she's a perfect example when people say, oh, you can't use knee collar on an aggressive dog. Well, she displayed aggressive behavior. She wasn't an aggressive dog. She was just had limited exposure to life. And once she got used to things and I got her working and she was just a wonderful sharp dog to work with. So she's in there and it shows you, like I said, dealing with some of that reactiveness, how you kind of get that dog rolling and get them on board. And then, so those are the two that I drove down with. And then when we got there the next day, you took me to the local shelter down there in Starkville and we got Bonnie. That's where we got Bonnie. And right. Bonnie was absolutely opposite side of the coin from the other two. She she was real ready to get out of that kennel and she did a lot of pulling on leash and stuff. But we saw all those submissive behaviors, the crouching low, some nervousness, kind of freezing up type of things. So she was that other other behavioral characteristics that we really wanted to help people understand. Collars are perfect for a dog like her, too. And it was really fun. If you remember some of the stuff, once we kind of bonded with her and of course, we did that through the training that we then found some things that really motivate her. If you remember when we were playing with the flirt pole and the flirt pole, oh, yeah. how she just came right. alive. Yeah. Yeah, we, so, got some really good, we got some really good clips of her on flirt pole. So yeah, three different dogs, different personalities. And uh, like I said, the one was owner surrender. The two, the two other ones had no previous ownership that any of us knew about. So didn't have any previous learning history. And we took them from what you see in that in those videos of just kind of out of control behaviors nuisance behaviors got him walking on a leash nice holding sit stays doing place down stays running off leash recalling we showed a lot of problem solving things too with jumping up and play biting and well we can talk about some of our little our little oopses the blooper reel yeah. some of the stuff that we we had on there well, it, it was a, it, to me, it was an interesting take because you did have, you had these three different dogs that all showed different, each one of them had different challenges, but yeah, yeah. The, and the taken dogs that not only had zero training, it was dogs that, that had been in situations where they just weren't getting an enormous amount of work whatsoever. Yeah. And so, so to me, it was a good example of showing what can really be done quickly. We did have our fair share of, of mistakes and fallbacks, um, uh, tell us about the pizza. Tell us about the pizza. I want the pizza story to me is still my favorite. And I think we got a pretty good video clip of it. I think we did. Yeah. The pizza story. So the, what we were doing, we had some basic foundation built with the dogs. And so then we were starting to do some of the problem solving things. And so we were talking about a leave it command. And so leave it, what I try to define with my dogs is leave it means that is absolutely off limits. You're not allowed to touch that. 
And so we were working, as we try to do, we always try to paint this whole concept into what's a real life scenario. So it was lunch anyway. We had pizza. We set up our little picnic outside. We put the pizza on one of the place boards and we were working with her and she was getting the concept. And of course, when you're filming, you do, you cut and then you reposition the camera and you got to kind of reset up so you can get different angles. And as dogs do, they take opportunity whenever they see the moment. And she saw the moment that my attention was diverted to something besides her. And she was up and in the pizza box, had like the whole thing. And she was, and of course, Rob, being Rob, captured the whole thing lovely. Oh, yeah. Phil. Oh, yeah. So good stuff. It's good stuff. Dog's a dog. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Neither are any of the people watching this. You get to see this stuff happen. You get to see how do we go back. And now we're going to get it right. We're going to help the dog understand the right thing. But yeah, Grace got to enjoy a little little pizza that day. Yeah, so always good. So let's talk about let's talk about how the process was done because we did we did start at zero. It was and it was very and we recorded we didn't record every session that you worked with the dogs, but it was about every second or third session I want to say that we did over about over about a three week period. So tell us a little bit about the process because we would record stuff and then you would go and you would work on just some repetitions come back. Let's talk a little bit about how we went about film. Yeah. So it was important that people can see the process. And by seeing the process, I mean, how do you start with one behavior and build that behavior? And then what's the process before you go to the next level? You either go to the next behavior or you go to the next level of reliability with that. So we made sure to always film the first sessions anytime I started a new behavior. I wasn't working on things in between. So you see always when I'm working something in the beginning, how I'm getting started, how I'm problem solving those things with the dog. And then I would practice one or two more sessions in between the next filming with that dog. But you weren't, and so that, you weren't adding so, anything to that. You were just doing repetitions. I was just doing repetitions. So I was just doing reps with the dog. And then when we'd come back, we'd say, okay, there's, we've had these reps now. Let me show you how, what's the next thing? Are we going to add more distraction to this behavior? Are we going to add more distance to this behavior? Are we going to start adding a new behavior? How has the criteria changed? But all of that was filmed too. So nothing was done behind the scenes that would have a viewer miss out on an important piece of information. They're seeing all of that raw footage that is necessary to go through the same sequence that I took these dogs through. All right, let's talk a little bit too about how we showed stimulation. This was something new that we started doing that that I think is really neat. And let's talk a little bit about the little green dots. Yeah, the little green dots. So huge advantage. I had done some work on my own, privately, just on my own years and years ago, which is partly, I think, how we got to know each other. I had done some videos because I felt it was important stuff to put out there, but I had zero ability to do anything technical. So every time I was pushing the button, I'm trying to articulate to the viewing audience, oh, tap. Um, you guys came in and said, hey, we can fix that, that having to say tap, tap all the time. We can actually put an audible on this thing so that in real time, People will hear an audible signal, so they'll know when you're pushing the button. They'll hear the difference between a momentary stim and a continuous stim, which is a huge piece of the puzzle. And not only did you guys offer the ability to put audible, you have a visual as well. So if somebody's really a visual learner, 
they're hearing the feedback and there's a green icon in the corner of the screen. So it's showing all of these things in real time. So you know exactly what and when I'm pushing the button, how I'm doing it. I think that's a neat process for folks to see because I'm not sure if, especially if you're doing it, one of the goals when you're training with a remote collar is not to make it incredibly obvious to the dog that you are doing something. You don't really want to, you'll see some folks raise their hands sometimes, or they'll make some sort of gesture that shows that they're doing stimulation. And that's a, that's something you really don't want to do in real training from the standpoint that uh, you don't want the dog picking up on that visual. And so, so for us, it was a neat process to go about it so that, that the viewer could see exactly when the stem's timed and how long it lasts and the duration and how many times you're pressing the button. It's, it's a pretty neat process. I really like the way we went about that. Yeah, I think it, I think that's a, I think that was a game changer. And I think that's for the viewer, that's a game changer because I do think there's lots of people that will put up videos and stuff, but nobody's really pulling back the curtain on here's the mistakes and here's how it's actually done. And so we really tried to put that out there so that it's not a mystery. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about, so what exactly, so we started, we started at the beginning with these dogs, but what were you trying to cover? What were the goals of the training in this? And what were you covering to get a dog from zero to off leash in that, that short, what I consider to be a really short period of time. Yeah. Three weeks from nothing to, to reliable is, it's pretty quick. It is pretty quick. It is pretty quick. And the, the thought process behind that was if I were training somebody's dog in a board and train type of situation, that is typically my process of, and what I'm doing is I'm trying to create a good pet. So a good pet, in my opinion, come when called, walks night on, nice on a leash, can be sent to their place, their bed, they can learn to chill out there, has a sit stay, a down stay, and has a repertoire of basic manners. Wait at a door so you don't bolt out a door. Don't jump on people when you greet them. Be quiet when I tell you. Barking is okay, but you need to stop when I tell you. So taking the dogs through that same process was just a replication of what my expectations are if I'm training somebody's pet. Um, and all three of the dogs were behaviorally, they were different, but they weren't really on extreme ends of the behavioral spectrum. So if somebody has a really extremely fearful shutdown dog, those things are going to take longer and you're going to have to add more things. If somebody has a truly aggressive dog, then those things are going to take longer. And you're going to have to add in more techniques. So we took this kind of range of middle range of behavior, the average pet. That's what I'd call the average pet. You go to a shelter, you get a dog. These are the things you're going to get. And we showed people, here's what you can achieve in a relatively limited amount of time. Now, I think we, we did point this out in the video is, yeah, I'm working these dogs three to four times a day, which may not be realistic for everybody. And this is what I accomplished in three weeks. But if people simply doubled that, they're going to probably get the same result in five to six weeks. That's still pretty darn fast to have a pretty, oh, sure. pretty good jump on training your dog. And so, so how many times, I mean, how many times you, when you're recommending this program to somebody, what are you recommending as far as a work schedule? I mean, is it? Minimum would be two. Minimum would be two. I think that's realistic for a pet owner that they have another job. They got stuff they got to do. You can sure. get the dog out in the morning. You got to feed them and exercise them anyway. So you can spend 20 minutes putting in a workout. You can do the same thing when you come home and everybody's living with the dog. You have to feed them. You have to toilet them, you play with them. And so we show you how do you incorporate some of these things into your routine. So minimum of two practice sessions a day and then incorporate things in your routine 
If you can do more than that, the process will be expedited. If you can only do one a day, it's going to take a little longer. Sure. So. And that's really just, uh, I, I think everybody's looking for some sort of, how long does it take me to do this? Um, and it's really, it's really not a simple, it takes X amount of time. It's so many factors come into that. It's hard to, hard to pin that down. My experience has always been the more time, the more time you spend with your dogs, generally the better and the faster your, your results. Oh yeah. Come through. Oh yeah. Well, and I think too, it's important to point out when we say that. So we did this for three weeks and we're saying, well, here's what we got this trained dog at the end of three weeks. That's not trained as in past tense, as in you're done and your dog is on autopilot. That's in the dog has an understanding of these behaviors. The dogs are reasonably reliable with these behaviors, but you have to be consistent and make this a lifestyle. As far as using the e-collar, that's still part of their lifestyle. It was, so I took, I left Mississippi. I came home with them. That was still part of their lifestyle. It was part of their lifestyle when I transferred them over to the new owners. So it, it does take a period of consistency, but once you've got those, that foundation put in place, it's pretty easy to just live with the dog and maintain that training the way that you have it at that point. Yeah. What, uh, anything else from, anything else from that experience? We've gotten, we've had it on the market for four years now, three or four years. So what kind of feedback have you gotten from people? The feedback is good. The feedback's really good. What I enjoy hearing is how it has changed people's relationship with their dog. I mean, I love hearing when people say, oh, you're a good teacher and what you say makes sense. That's great. I love hearing that. But what really gets me excited is when people tell me how this has changed their lifestyle, how they had this dog and they never really thought being off leash was possible, how they always wanted to be able to go to the beach or hike with their dog or some, I have a client that mountain bikes with her dog out in New Mexico all the time and just how it's been a game changer for her and how it's been a game changer for the dog. Those things are, they make it entirely worth everything that we've put into this is hearing that feedback. So those are very rewarding. It's also interesting and maybe you see some of this Maybe you hear some of this feedback. It's interesting to me sometimes when people that have had a long history of training, they've used e-callers for quite a long time, pick up this DVD and have commentary. And they say things like, I'm pretty good at what I do, but I actually picked up a little tidbit or two from you that was valuable. So that's always nice to hear. There is that crowd that, once again, to me, your techniques are different from a lot of people's e-collar techniques from the standpoint that they do not teach with the collar. They, they train and then they add, they overlay the collar into the process where you actually teach with the collar. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's a different process. I think it's faster. I think it's more comfortable for the dog and it's more comfortable for the user. And so, uh, so that's, I think that's kind of what I've heard because you will still, and anytime I put something out or I talk about training with the collar, you will still have people say, you cannot do that. And that's, that's just not true. You can do it. You have to have the right color to do it. You have to understand the concepts, but, but you can, you know, that's, that is pretty much the foundation of your technique. And so it, I think it's something that people do find incredibly comfortable, especially if they don't have a background in, in training with remote colors, it's a great way to start. Yeah. Well, and just to expand on that a little bit, uh, so people understand why do I do it that way? I am not a person that is, is, I'm not a person that's going to tell you, you have to do it my way, or I'm not going to tell you my way is the right way. I think there's ways to train with this tool. There are people that have been doing it a long time. There are people that are wonderful trainers, produce incredible, reliable, beautiful working dogs. The reason I train the way that I do is I'm in the pet game. 
And I, when I got started with callers, I wasn't about to tell people, look, you're going to have to do six or 12 weeks of training or eight weeks training, whatever, first, and then we're going to put a collar on your dog. We're talking about some very basic things, movement toward me, movement away from me, and stationary behavior. This is not rocket science. I can teach a dog to do that with the collar incorporated at the same time. I don't need to do two separate pieces. There is nothing wrong with two separate pieces if people want to do it that way. Right. It just doesn't have to be done that way. And that's what this entire program is about. It's how to do it that way. And mm -hmm. so, so yeah, so it is, it is something that, that is, it, it pushes people's <laughs> thought process behind the tool. There are some folks that have to open up a little bit to see, but, and, but this was designed for new users more so than anything else. And it is, it is a complete program and it is, it is a start to finish how to get these basic concepts for your dogs. And so we've been really happy with it because it, it takes that, it takes the mystery out of how to use this product and where, you know, what you can do and how quickly you can do it. And I really enjoyed the process mainly because it was neat to see the entire process because I have never been, I got to watch you take these dogs that were incredibly out of control. And by the time we were finished three weeks in, they were pleasant to be around. And it was, yeah. it was an enjoyable process and it was neat to watch, especially to see the actual training. So many times we see videos that are obviously trained dogs and they're just going through the motions where these dogs, it was painfully obvious at times, they <laughs> did not know what they were doing. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I didn't always have glamour shots in those videos. There were days, man, I was beat up working. and dirty and working and yeah, it's the real deal. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, it's definitely, it's definitely, it was a great experience and we really enjoyed it. And so for folks that are looking to see the process and are looking to, to, uh, up their game with, uh, remote collar training, this is something that we offer and uh, we really recommend folks check it out. I do too. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. For more information or to purchase Robin's online dog training programs, visit ecollars.com. This is Robin McFarland's eCollar Training. This video series takes a systematic approach to eCollar use from introduction to off-leash control. Three dogs of varying personalities were adopted from a shelter environment and trained daily over the course of three weeks. This DVD series captures the real-time footage starting from day one of introducing the e-collar and progresses to the point of off-leash control and working around real-world distractions. Robin takes you step-by-step -step through the process of laying a foundation, solving common problems, working through distractions, and graduating to off-leash freedom. The systematic approach and detailed instruction is designed specifically with the novice e-collar user in mind, but even experienced trainers will find a gem or two to add to the training toolbox. Each of the dogs in this video series, Grace, Brandy, and Bonnie, started training within 72 hours of being adopted from a shelter environment. What you will see is real-time training sessions, not special editing or previously trained dogs. Watch dogs with different temperaments being worked through challenges toward the goal of off-leash control and a greatly improved relationship with their handler. Robin's e-collar instructional materials are clear, concise, 
and never sacrifice the physical or emotional well-being of the dog. With this training, your dog will be calmer, more controlled, and be able to experience the joy of off-leash freedom. If you've longed to be able to trust your dog off-leash, but don't have the confidence to start training with an e-collar, this video series is for you. Any dog owner that is interested in learning an easier way to communicate with their dog while gaining off-leash reliability will benefit from this DVD series. This five-disc set will take you step-by-step step through the process from starting the training and finding a level up through working around distractions and being ready to go off-leash.